Hello, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and this is I've Got a Secret. Today's episode is a little different. We're talking about the secret to the best kept secret and why. Why does it have to be such a secret? I'm talking about Viagra. I frequently ask the Secret Squad to write in with topics that they want us to discuss on this podcast. And this was overwhelmingly the number one topic. So we're not only talking about male sexual dysfunction and Viagra, but also about what is fair to discuss with your partner. Joining me today is John Snedeker, the co-founder and clinical director of Lasara Medical Group, located here in Southern California. Lasara specializes in men's sexual health with a primary focus on the rehabilitation of erectile dysfunction. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, John. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. So let's just get right to it. Great. So can you tell us a little about your background? Well, I went to the University of Colorado, Boulder. Um, mm -hmm. At my time in school and really my entire life, I've always had a real interest in health in general, mm -hmm. um, whether that be through fitness or nutrition, uh, styles of eating, and primarily how can I optimize myself? Um, I've had a lot of history with my family and different things that they've all dealt with that has also continued to push me uh, to want to know more about just the human body and, and how uh, we can all be a little bit better. Yeah. Did I ever think I was going to land uh, in men's sexual health and be operating a, a practice that specializes in erectile dysfunction? Probably not. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you that that was necessarily uh, something that was, that was really on my radar. Mm -hmm. um, I had experience in, in marketing and sales, um, working for larger corporations, and then uh, after moving around a variety of places uh, across the country, I landed back in California, and I'm a bit of an opportunist, and I was looking at um, a variety of things in health, and, and my dad actually brought to my attention the treatment that we offer at my practice. Mm -hmm. And when I started looking into this, I learned of the really the millions of men that are dealing with erectile dysfunction mm -hmm. and the lack of information uh, and guidance for men to be able to disclose it to their partners or also not live in, in fear mm -hmm. or uh, be in denial about it. Uh, there's really a small number of men that actually seek help. And so when we, uh, or when I first decided to open this practice, the whole goal of it was, can we... Uh, be more of a friend of a friend? Mm -hmm. Can we be, and less take the kind of professional sense out of it and be just somebody that is being able to open up and, and uh, get over this problem that they're having? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was really the, how we, or how I, I landed into mm -hmm. this practice. Um, and now this specialty, it's, it's quite interesting. Well, we were talking before we even started the podcast today about this very topic and why I wanted to talk about it. And you said that you were surprised and saddened really about how few men really do open up and admit that they have this issue. And uh, in that discussion before we even started, I likened it to the same thing. Women will often go with hormonal issues or mm -hmm. health issues just right. in that category as well. And that's why I'm really glad that you're here and that we're talking about this because not only is it an issue that men have, but when men have it, then their partners and everyone suffers. Don't mm -hmm. you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's very misunderstood. Mm -hmm. The experience that I provide is that I've spoken with thousands and thousands and thousands of men that are dealing with erectile dysfunction, and we've treated hundreds and hundreds of men. And it's very common that uh, most men live in silence with something like this. Uh, it's misunderstood for their partner. It's misunderstood for themselves. We have plenty of men that come through our doors that are 
in really good health. They take great care of themselves. They exercise. They're in their 50s or 60s. And they are just perplexed by why they're experiencing erectile dysfunction and why uh, that is also then driving other negatives in their life. So uh, to your point, there is a real need to have a conversation about it um, the same way it is for, for women's health to have a conversation about certain topics that you've discussed on your show already. Well, let's talk about exactly what you just said. First of all, let's talk about age group. Mm-hmm. What do you find and what is most common for the age group that erectile dysfunction usually begins for a man? Sure. So about 50% of men by age 50 begin to deal with some degree of erectile dysfunction. Uh, those numbers are actually a bit higher in the United States than they are in other places around the world even. And the core, I say, demographic or age that we really see in our practice is about 50 to 70 years of age. Uh, but that also drops all the way down to our youngest patient or is in their low 20s, 22 years old, actually. So when you're thinking about erectile dysfunction, there's, uh, for the most part, three different types of uh, ED. So when I say ED, I'm referring mm-hmm. to erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. There are uh, vascular disorders, which is a blood flow disorder, which is about 80% of the men that deal with ED are dealing with that type of ED. It uh, just means they're not getting enough blood flow to the penis. The next is those that are dealing with neurological issues. Um, prostate cancer is a, is a very big thing in, in men. Um, and when you have some type of procedure done on the prostate, you typically have damage to the nerve endings. Uh, nerve endings are also uh, very common in even cyclists, so where there's constant pressure um, just behind the testicles. Mm-hmm. So you have that type of, uh, of ED where you're having neurological problems, there's a, there's a disconnect. And then there's psychological problems. Um, typically referred to as performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those two, performance anxiety, neurological problems, those are not necessarily our core type of patient we deal with. Uh, we deal primarily with, with those who are uh, dealing with a, a true blood flow disorder. So what services do you offer then at Lasara? Mm-hmm. Our core service is called shockwave therapy. Um, it's actually a newer thing in the United States for the last few years. It's been around for over a decade around the world, but in the States, we just sort of caught on a little slower. And the reason we use this treatment, um, I mentioned we treat vascular disorders. Um, And so for those that don't understand erectile dysfunction, basically inside your penis as a man, there's hundreds and hundreds of little blood vessels. And as you age, or if you're diabetic or have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, a variety of other things in our medical history, which are very common in the United States, um, being overweight could be another another one, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, these are things that begin to close down those blood vessels. So for simplicity's sake, if you say you had 100 blood vessels, as you age or these things occur, you go from 100 to 80 and then 70, eventually you pass a threshold where you're just not having enough blood flow to be able to get a firm enough erection. Hmm. Um, the timeline of what men experience typically is they start to explore pharmaceuticals like Viagra, the, uh-huh. the best kept secret. Mm-hmm. Um, these are medications that are that have been around for a long time now, and they're very effective for a lot of men. The whole point of this medication is to uh, dilate the vessels. So they're considered vasodilators, these medications. Mm-hmm. And other common ones are Cialis, Levitra. Uh, today, in the marketing and the things you see on TV and the web, you see a lot of things about Get Roman for Hims. These are also companies that are just taking Viagra, which no longer has a patent, repackaging it and providing out to to men that have ED. So these medications help to open up the blood vessels and push blood flow into the vessels that are healthy, but it doesn't do anything to help the vessels that are unhealthy. So 
for men that are having this vascular disorder where they have 70% of their vessels working, eventually that number only gets worse. It starts to drop. So you go from 70 to 60 to 50. And eventually you get to a point where those oral medications, Viagra and Cialis, just don't work at all, oh. which typically becomes a... I mean, there's all sorts of ways to describe it, but it really is an oh shit type moment uh-huh. because uh, you go from having something and, and being, oh my gosh, here's this best kept secret. It's been uh, loyal to me for five, seven, 10 years. I've been active, but now I can't be. It doesn't work. Until about a few years ago, the next step was doing injection therapy where you're taking a medication, pulling into a syringe and injecting it into the side of, of the shaft of the penis, which as you can imagine, is a bit intrusive for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very effective, though. Um, it's very common for men that have had neurological problems. Uh, so those that have had prostate cancer, it's a great option for those men. Um, getting past the idea of injecting yourself is uh, sometimes a challenge, but once you step past that and you're trained properly, it's a really great option for men. I'll finish off on your question about what we do. Our whole practice has been built to try to rehabilitate the problem. Um, if you asked 100 men if they would like to be able to be spontaneous mm-hmm. with their partner and be able to achieve an erection spontaneously, they're, they're going to say yes. I mean, the great majority will say yes. So we use a shockwave treatment, which is stimulating new blood vessel growth. So think about it as you're putting fresh plumbing in. Mm-hmm. And when you only had 50% of your vessels working, now it jumps up to 60 and 70 and 80 and 90. Mm-hmm. And eventually, the whole goal is to get you back to being 100%. Well, how many uh, treatments like that do they need? Men will typically go anywhere between six up to 18 treatments. Uh Uh, It really depends on the severity of someone's uh, ED they're experiencing. Um, And how often do they, can they have the treatment done? Some men do it once a week. Others will do it twice a week. Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Well, that's wonderful. So I'm sitting here as you're talking about it, thinking this is such wonderful information and it's such a wonderful topic that we're talking about it like this. And it's such a shame Mm -hmm. that it's not talked about more often. And I'm also thinking about when we posted our question, like, what do you want us to discuss? And it was so overwhelmingly listeners wrote in and said, oh, I want to talk about Viagra. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny that We've, you've only said that word like maybe once or twice. Right. And all of this information so far has been about ED and all of the solutions that there are for it. Right. And so, and the reason I'm saying this is obviously, I'm sure all of the listeners that wrote in are women. And we're so uninformed about this topic. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a shame. I think it's sad that. Um, there's not more information out there and it's not talked about more often. Right. So because it's, I think there would be more compassion mm-hmm. uh, instead of more frustration in women Absolutely. if it was more, if it was talked about more often. Absolutely. Because when we got the responses, I want to, I want a, a podcast about Viagra because, and I will say, they explained, because I'm very frustrated that I know that my partner takes it or I know that my partner has it but won't discuss it. Mm -hmm. And I want to know why. So you're doing a huge favor right now to a lot of (laughs) listeners out there in talking about why it's necessary for a man to use Viagra or any other medication like Viagra and the frustration that partners have in, well, why won't he talk about it? Why won't he say why? And I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of. No, there's not. The thing is, is men, they don't want this problem. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, uh, they don't want to have to take a pill. They don't want to have to inject themselves or uh, even though 
shockwave therapy or some of these other regenerative medicine treatments are great options for them. They don't want to drive across town to go there. They exactly. really want to just have a natural sex life, a normal sex life, which is that there is their partner in front of them. There is a, a chemical reaction that occurs. They get an erection and they can partake in whatever it is that the two mutually desire to achieve. Mm -hmm. So when you, you know, we live in a country where diabetes is rampant across mm -hmm. men and women. Um, the number of people that are overweight, the number of people that are obese, mm -hmm. uh, the diets that we all consume, um, what we're told is Americans to be the standard American diet is now all of a sudden nutritionists and doctors are saying, wait a second, this is upside down. Mm -hmm. uh, the things that we are told are healthy for us to consume that are uh, sometimes even approved by the FDA and other associations, we're finding every day that those things are what's causing a lot of these problems. And the unfortunate thing with uh, common diseases that men face, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, and the list can kind of go on, is they all come back to healthy vascular systems and mm -hmm. blood flow. And the problem with that as an outcome is that, and for the women out there who are listening, blood vessels in the penis are the smallest vessels in your entire body. So anytime there's gonna be some sort of decay that's gonna occur or closing up or cholesterol buildup or plaque buildup, it's simply gonna happen in the penis first. So there are choices that a man can make early on in their life or they can make tomorrow to start getting better. Um, I mean, I just had a patient just, just yesterday, actually, I spoke with him. He's been deciding if he wanted to come in and do this treatment. And I, I told him, I said, you know, take, take a month and look to changing your diet, see if you can get some exercise in and get away from the stress of this pandemic and mm -hmm. the anxiety that you mm -hmm. have and see if anything changes. And I spoke with him, it was almost 40 days later, yesterday, and he's like, oh, I don't need to come in. I, I mean, I dropped some weight and my erections have come back. So <gasps> there are proactive things that we can all do, whether it's uh, the partner wanting to push the man to mm -hmm. be a little bit better. Um, but what's great about overcoming your ED is that mm -hmm. all the things you can do to make it better, make so many other things in your life better. That's um, wonderful. So. Again, I wanna say, I think it's so wonderful that this kind of information is getting out there and it can become a common conversation between partners. Mm -hmm. As I said before, it's like when a woman has a problem with her hormones or just has diabetes, just as you just said. We all have issues. We all have health issues. Mm -hmm. And it's not always our fault. Sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes it's our lifestyle. Sometimes it's just something that happens, but we can always take control. Mm -hmm. Tell me this. I read that only 25% of men experiencing erectile issues seek help. Now, why do you think that is? The word you brought up earlier, shame. Uh, <sighs> so I'll give you another stat, which is really interesting. Up until the age of eight, age eight, for females and males, there is equal visits and going to the doctor. By age eight, take a guess, how many, uh, what do you think the percentage drop is at age eight in terms of males now going to the doctor after, at age eight? Hmm. I'm just, I'm going to say 50. 50%. <gasps> really? At age eight, there's a 50% decrease in men, males, going to the doctor. And if you think about our culture, um, this is now shifting, I'd say, in probably the most recent um, 10, 15 years or so. But in the time even that I grew up in and mm -hmm. that my dad grew up in and, and the men before that is you scratch your knee, you know, men don't wear Band-Aids, so you mm -hmm. rub some dirt in it or you <laughs> fall, yep. like boys don't cry. I mean- yep. Those are things that push 
men to feel shameful about ever seeking help in something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's the old saying of when uh, a man and a woman are driving together and they're lost, the man will never ask for directions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the woman's just saying, come yeah. on, honey, yeah. like ask that just nice looking guy over. over there. Just pull <laughs> over and ask. Uh, so men don't seek help because they're embarrassed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they are embarrassed to bring it up to their doctors. Uh, they will make uh, excuses. The more excuses you make, the harder it is to really take a step forward to talking with your loved one about what's going on. I talk to hundreds and hundreds of men like every single month, and they all call it for the same reason. Mm-hmm. I have erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Every single one, of, well, not every single one, but a great majority of them, um, you know, my approach with these men is to, like I said earlier, to be a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, no one wants to talk like, to a robotic physician mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. A, I mean, not that all physicians are robotic, yeah. <laughs> but they want to talk to somebody that can be more like a friend. Mm-hmm. And almost all of them will tell you that this is the first time I've ever told anybody I have erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And these are men that are coming from all sorts of background, but they have friends, they mm-hmm. have relatives, they have lovers or wives or whoever mm-hmm. it might be, yet I'm the first person they've, ever, they've never even met in person uh-huh. to be telling this to. So... And to your, to your question, it is an embarrassment thing. Um, it's a lack of understanding of why you're, you're, you're experiencing this. Mm-hmm. And a man's sexuality doesn't just play into the act of being able to have sex, but it does play into their overall energy and their overall desire in life. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you could write a book just on men's sexuality and, and what it's done over the course of history mm-hmm. for nations and communities and anything. Uh, so I think it, it for men that can't get it can't get an erection, they are just concerned and they're embarrassed and they don't know what to mm-hmm. do about it. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to the relationship between masculinity and sexual performance? Mm-hmm. There's a sex therapist, this woman that I, I've listened to a, a few times, and she <laughs> she always uh, so performance anxiety is what keeps a man from being able to achieve an erection. So when you're stressed or anxious or fear your body's reaction is to close down blood flow and bring it to your organs, whether it's, I mean, think about, you have a close call driving down the road, you slam on the brakes, mm-hmm. everything comes to your core. Mm-hmm. Same thing can apply in a sexual situation that you're questioning something and questioning your abilities. Am I gonna last long enough? Is my erection big enough? What if I'm not as good as her last partner? I'm really into this person. I, hopefully it's reciprocated. Those are all things of fear. So does masculinity play into performance? I absolutely think so. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this uh, therapist I was just mentioning. She always, she always says, she's like, you know, it's, you're, you're not in a circus. You're not on stage. You're not a, a monkey that's, you know, juggling a bunch of balls. You mm-hmm. are a person that uh-huh. is in love with, hopefully in love with this person or getting to that point. Mm-hmm. And so uh, separating, uh, I guess, what we are, each person might believe is to be masculine of them from performance, I think is, is a necessity mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, you're not performing. And hopefully your partner is attracted to your masculinity and that's why that you're there together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that can be fed off of in a mutual situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can lifestyle choices play a part in developing erectile dysfunction? Absolutely. So looking at it across three different views, mm-hmm. uh, Performance anxiety is the first one I'll, I'll talk mm-hmm. about. So again, I mentioned that's closing up your own blood flow through your body by way of anxiety and stress and asking yourself those questions. Uh, there are one thing that, that I recommend to men because having performance anxiety can come from having one instance of a sexual embarrassment. 
and you then it festers and you start to constantly think about it and you're really hoping to God, please don't mm-hmm. let this embarrassment happen again. Uh-huh. Um, so when it does happen, it's like anything in life. If you can be honest about it and express that honesty and what you're experiencing and communication, right? The, right? Here's my secret. I'm embarrassed as can be, or I'm as anxious or stressed as can be. Like, I'm really into you. Like, yeah. I really hope that this is feeling the same way. So getting back to the details of like why you're there um, is something that we recommend recommend men to mm-hmm. face or, or to actually think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else is men that are having this type of uh, challenge are thinking of the macro, which is sex. Yeah. They're not thinking of the micro. Think of the micro, like what does her skin or his skin feel like? Mm-hmm. What does their smell like, their hair. Think about the details of why you're attracted to this person and come back to those those small, minute details because those are the things that are triggering your micro to be macro. Uh-huh. Um, so looking at it from performance anxiety, that's something that we always say you, you could be doing. Going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a, a professional in, in therapy and I can only offer so much, but there are amazing therapists out there specifically for sex that can help you. And a lot of them take a different approach. Mm-hmm. Some of them, it's all about masculinity and drawing that back, back in. Uh, others, it's more about being on an equal playing field uh, with the partner and mm-hmm. you're mutually coming together to do this. Uh, so the other two neurological things, it's sometimes challenging to avoid those, mm-hmm. right? Prostate cancer, uh, of course, you can have your prostate check and, and do all those things to so you can avoid ever having getting to a point of mm-hmm. having to treat the cancer. Mm-hmm. So for the big one, vascular disorders, blood flow disorders, that's the great majority of men that, that have erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. So diabetes, if you have diabetes, you're 40% more likely to experience ED. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have uh, cardiovascular disease or risk of, of heart disease in the family, those are also other things that you should be aware of, wow. uh, certain types of diets. Um, exercise, smoking cigarettes, drinking, uh, excessive drinking, of course, moderation is okay, but mm-hmm. those are all things that are uh, we've been told forever mm-hmm. from young kids. Mm-hmm. Like these are things that are going to be destructive to your health. And most men, unfortunately, we don't really take action until something goes away that we're really wanting to be there. Yeah. Um, so. Wow. So let me ask you this: Can ED be hereditary? It cannot be hereditary, but there are things that are hereditary or that it can be in a family's history that do cause ED, for instance, diabetes. Some people uh-huh. are, are born with diabetes, mm-hmm. um, but is it hereditary? It's in our DNA, not, no. not necessarily. Interesting, okay. So are sexual dysfunction issues in men caused mostly by psychology or biology? Biology, definitely. Um, you know, but those that have a biological factors that cause their ED, uh-huh. then typically have a performance or a psychological uh-huh. problem too, because uh, they have that one moment uh, it, it, of a biological problem they're noticing, and then they have that really bad, embarrassing moment. Mm-hmm. Now they have two fact, two things to deal with. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Right. So we have something we do with every podcast, and I would love to do it right now 
one thing that we do with every podcast is a drink of the day. Oh. And so we always create a drink that applies pretty much to the topic that we're doing. And today our drink is the pomegranate rosemary soda. Oh my goodness. And we picked this because Wow, thank it, you so much. I think is perfect for today's topic. This pomegranate uh, drink has one ounce of pomegranate juice, one ounce of rosemary simple syrup, club soda to top, and we garnish it with a fresh rosemary sprig. To make this, you to make the simple syrup in a small saucepan, combine one cup of brown sugar, one cup of water, and six rosemary sprigs. Cook it over a medium heat, stirring frequently until the sugar is dissolved. Let it cool and then remove the rosemary sprigs. Next, fill your glass with ice, add the pomegranate juice and rosemary simple syrup. Top with club soda and gently stir. Garnish with a rosemary sprig and enjoy. This is amazing. Yes, isn't it? Now, this is so festive. It looks so beautiful, too, especially during the holidays. It's like a little Christmas tree in there. Yes, but we picked <laughs> this because pomegranate juice has been known to help with blood flow. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I did. <laughs> it's funny. A lot of the veggies out there, mm. root vegetables um, that are red, are yes. very are amazing for blood flow. Really? Uh, beets, actually. So, really? like for instance... Um, you're at like Viagra, the the secret of, of ED. There are so many other things in men's health that people can try, and beets is one of them because it's phenomenal for um, blood flow. Actually, bodybuilders and fitness gurus and all these people are, are starting to use beet extract in their own performance because it helps them so much. Oh my gosh, that's very interesting. Well, I, yeah, I love this drink of the day now. This is phenomenal. It's delicious. <laughs> so. Is this something that affects a wide age range of men, or do you typically see it in a very specific age grouping? Now, we talked about that. You said it can start as young as 20s, but again, it's pretty much age, you're saying 60 on up or 50. So age is a factor of why someone can experience it, because uh, in our each person has a sort of trajectory of vascular health, where you're just mm-hmm. constantly getting better, eventually you sort of plateau. And then at some point in life, you start to decline in your vascular health. Mm-hmm. And it becomes noticeable um, in, in a variety of ways. Someone can notice that they're having poor blood flow in other aspects of their mm-hmm. life. So that decline can really happen um, differently for every single person. And then, of course, we talked about like biological factors mm-hmm. that are causing it as well. So if I were to think about our patients, our Core is probably from age 50 uh, up to about 65. It's equal as well from, uh, or actually the uh, the next group would be from like 65 to 80 years old. And then the third group would be from 50 down to about 35 years old. And then 35 down to uh, even 20 years old, I say, is the the next group that we see it. Um, It's suspected. So ED is the most underreported condition in the male demographic. Again, coming back to shame and being mm-hmm. embarrassed and not mm-hmm. knowing how to talk about it. And it's suspected about 25% of men at age 25 are dealing with some form of ED, which that's, I mean, people that hear that are like, what? No mm-hmm. way. How, how mm-hmm. could that be? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's unfortunately the truth. Well, uh, when you mentioned that it can be caused by stress, mm-hmm. uh, life is very stressful. It is. Uh, right now. And, and, uh, I, I'm not surprised that it can affect someone as young as 
um, men in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any natural treatments that you've seen that help? Yes. So there are a variety of supplements that uh, patients can take. Typically, those supplements work more for uh, mild cases. Mm-hmm. Um, as you start to get into more moderate or severe cases of ED, those supplements are beneficial, but we don't find that it's enough to really reverse the condition. Right. Uh, I also would consider some of these supplements that men take, like a bead extract, um, other natural vasodilators. There's one called L-arginine that is quite famous. Mm-hmm. It's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yohimbe. Uh, there's one called horny goatweed. These are all things <laughs> that... Funny. No, right? sorry. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> uh, they've been around for a long time and they can be beneficial. To me, when you when I think of a natural treatment, I like to look at someone's holistic mm-hmm. choices of, of life. So yeah. exercise is obviously going to be yeah. a, a big thing. Relieving mm-hmm. someone's stress, removing the things from their life that cause stress would probably have no positive upside for them, just mm-hmm. generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something else can be factored into a natural treatment are things like shockwave therapy. Um, a newer thing is stem cell therapy. There's not a whole lot of research has been done yet about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the early signs of, of using stem cells for regenerating soft tissue and blood vessel growth in the penis mm-hmm. is also refining is going to be a big thing probably in the next 10 years. Oh, that's wonderful. So let's talk about different medications, mm-hmm. specifically because we had so many write in about it. Is Viagra safe? So uh, for most men, it is safe. And there's also other vasodilators. Uh, so Viagra is the brand name for the drug Sildenafil. Mm-hmm. Then there is Cialis, which is the drug name Tadalafil. Uh, Vardenafil is another one. And if someone uh, you know listening right now is considering, oh, well, my, my husband needs to jump on these or my boyfriend or I should try these out, you definitely want to consult with your doctor before going in and, and, and requiring these medications. Certain things, uh, these medications can drop someone's blood pressure. Um, they can cause, there's also some side effects of mental experience. A lot of guys can get blurry vision. They can get back pain. Uh, they can get lightheaded, runny noses, redness. So they're not always, even though... You've seen the the advertisements for a long time of the happy, jolly guy walking down the beach with his wife because he just took a Viagra. Mm-hmm. There are some some unfortunate uh, side effects that do come into play. So my recommendation for a man, if, if for instance, they were prescribed 150 milligrams of, of a Viagra, you don't have to take the whole thing. You, you can always start somewhere and, and see where your body, how your body reacts to it. Um, and for some men, They'll take Viagra for 20 years, no side effects, unbelievable response. It's amazing. Uh, For others, they have really bad side effects. So uh, that's why other regenerative medicines like shockwave therapy has become such a great option for these guys. So this, uh, we were talking about this before the podcast, the girls here in the office. uh, And we, because we don't know that much about it, and we had such an overwhelming response from our listeners to talk about it, we, we actually were talking about the movie that had Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton in it. And in the movie, he refused to tell the doctors at the hospital that he had taken a Viagra because (laughs) that's why we were talking about it. I said, he actually was having a heart issue. He's at the hospital and refused (laughs) to tell the doctors he had taken one. So I'm going to bring that up in the podcast. Like, is is it that embarrassing for a man to admit he's taken a Viagra to the point where he will actually be 
at the hospital and refused to tell the doctors. And so we do, we want to know, like, why would a man take a Viagra mm-hmm. and have a heart issue, have an episode with his heart and still not tell the doctor that he's taken one? Now, why is that? <laughs> well, why is, do is, women... He, uh, is a man that embarrassed to admit he's taken it? Someone just the other day sent me a crazy video of like this guy doing this crazy stunt and she said to me, this is why women live longer than men. <laughs> and so, sure, maybe it's embarrassment uh, for sure. Embarrassment is, is a factor. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's uh, there's all sorts of factors that come into play, I guess. Well, you just said that Viagra can cause a man to have low blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Expand on the side effects of Viagra. Mm-hmm. So low blood pressure, not high blood pressure. So it doesn't affect the heart. It can go both ways, actually. Okay. okay. So uh, depending upon what someone's cardiovascular state is, uh-huh. it can go both ways and whether oh, okay. it goes high or low. Oh, okay. Mm. So uh, so what are some of the side effects, again, of taking Viagra or, or some of the other medications? Uh, achiness, back pain is is really common, running nose, being flushed, because it's a vasodilator, so it's opening up all your blood vessels. It's not just only opening up the vessels in your penis. So you're going to have a lot of blood rushing around. And if you are a more sedentary individual that is over the age of 50 and isn't as active physically as they used to be, and all of a sudden your heart and your vessels are completely dilated and open, sometimes people have this adverse reaction because it's completely new to their body, they're not used to it. Uh, I find that men that are typically in a healthier state and that are active and that do take Viagra or Cialis don't really have the negative side effects as those that are, say, in a sedentary or unhealthy state taking those medications. So there's no reason for a man to take the Viagra or Cialis unless he wants to have sex. That's right. Because mm-hmm. it would be very dangerous, correct? I wouldn't say very dangerous, but it would... Most men take these pills and they have a some small side effect from it, whether it's runny nose or getting all red or flushed. So no one really wants to feel that unless they know that the, something is going to happen by taking this pill. Uh, it's really why in medicine today, in sexual health medicine, there is this focus to be more regenerative because a man doesn't want to, you know, even taking the side effects off the table. If you're with a a person that's a new relationship and you go out to dinner, the guy is thinking to himself, if he knows something's going to happen that evening, he's thinking to himself, oh God, do I take this, do I take this pill right now before I have this steak and this red wine or do I take it afterwards? And do I take it now? And then it wears off before we actually get home. There's a, there's a big timing that comes into play. So for those that are in a relationship that can communicate about that, and Mm -hmm. then that's great. But for those that don't want the other person to know that, hey, I have to take a Viagra for us to be sexually active. Mm-hmm. Um, those do come into play. And those also come into play for all medications for ED. So when you think about shockwaves, stem cell therapy, some of these other regenerative medicines, mm-hmm. it's trying to take that off the table. It wants mm-hmm. somebody to get back to being able to be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> your question, uh, I'm sure he was probably pretty uh, embarrassed. He didn't want the, the woman to know that he was... Um, mm-hmm you know, pocketing a a Viagra when they were seeing each other. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so what would you say to the spouse of someone going through sexual dysfunction issues and how can they show support? Well, uh, first of all, it's not the woman's fault. Like, uh, regardless, I mean, a woman has to, uh, try to understand that because 
a man never wants his woman or whoever the partner is uh, to feel like they're the problem. I mean, that, that only makes it harder for the man to have this feeling. So if a woman can become educated, um, I've actually, we're working on developing some content that is about men, about ED for women right now. That's because wonderful. we want it to be a, an educational experience for someone that can, a woman can then feel empowered as well. Uh, we've had some women that have done testimonials for us that are for their husband's mm -hmm. stories. And I can think of this one woman's uh, a wife, her name is Grace. And the first thing she says is, women, get behind your man. Don't shame him for not being able to get it up. Don't push him to the side and ask these questions and make him feel bad about it. Get on the internet with him, do the yeah. research, watch the videos, understand what's going on. And this couple, I, like, they're one of the most loving, bright couples that we've ever had come into our practice. So um, I, I think education is, is a really big piece of it. And just knowing that it's, it's no one's fault and there's options out there, just come together and see if you can, if you can do it together. But also uh -huh. by when you come together and you solve a problem, I mean, that's a lot of where happiness comes from in life in general. So not only have you solved this problem together, now you can go to bed together and you have this reaction. I completely agree with that. Tell us about how all of this treatment improves a man's overall quality of life as well as their partners. Oh, it, I mean, I could go on forever about this. So even if you're not sexually active as a man, just knowing that you have the ability is huge in your day-to-day -day life, in the way you approach your own business, your job, your career, your relationship with your friends. I mean, it is a huge thing. Um, and when you take that away from somebody, uh, when a man does not have that ability anymore, and, and I've seen it firsthand with men opening up about their experiences, that they lose their interest just in general of conversing with the other sex or mm -hmm. someone that they're attracted to because they say, well, gosh, you know, I can, I can see them in this person, but why, why should I waste my time and waste their time? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a big psychological piece to it that is very uh, empowering for a man to overcome their, their case of ED or find a solution, whether that whatever solution that might be for them. I think that's wonderful. So we've come to another place in the podcast that we do every podcast, and that's play a game. <laughs> so do you like playing games? Love games. I love games too. Okay, so for this game, I'm going to read a series of statements, and you're going to decide whether they're true or false. And I will warn you, I'm oh, no. very creative. <laughs> so the name of this game is For Real? <laughs> so when I make the statement, you decide true or false. True or false, okay. Okay, so the first one is, men think about sex every seven seconds. Oh my goodness. False. Oh, you're right. It's false. <laughs> According to a study by the Journal of Sex Research, men think about sex on average of 19 times a day and women about 10 times a day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for someone that's in the world of sexual health and that talks about penises and sex and all this stuff every single day, I don't even think about it every seven seconds. So. <laughs> That's a lot. That's thinking about it a lot. But I think a lot of people might have said true to that. <laughs> okay, so next, oysters, probably the most popular aphrodisiac, mm -hmm. change gender. Oysters change gender? Uh-huh. Wow. That's pretty out there. I'm going to say true. Oh, 
you're right. It's true. <laughs> Almost all oysters start their lives as male, but as they grow larger, many will switch genders. Occasionally, oh they can have both sex organs at the same time. Wow. Who knew? <laughs> okay, the next one. Sex can negatively affect sports performance. Yes, true. Oh, it's false. Oh, really? <laughs> it's false. Sex has little to no actual impact on athletic performance. Some studies suggest it can actually improve performance. Really? Yes. Well, I guess, you know, I'm thinking more of like if I had sex and then I was supposed to go perform in a sporting event shortly thereafter, is that going like, to... be I, exhausted, you think? <laughs> right. Is the, is the, act, the act, actual release of sexual experience going to... Only reason I... Actually, the reason I said true, I'm thinking back in high school, my football <laughs> yeah, coach right, used to tell right. me, he's like, no one's having sex on Friday. And because we made our games yeah. Friday, I'm never, I never... I actually, like, I left school and I had like recently lost my virginity. <laughs> and uh, I went and had sex with my girlfriend at the time. Yep. And I had the worst football game that Friday night. <laughs> and I was like, I'll never have sex again before a sporting oh, event. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, well, you were worn out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you were exhausted. <laughs> okay, the next one. Asparagus juice was once believed to be an aphrodisiac. True or false? Oh, true? It's true. Wow. This thought became popular in the 18th century in Europe and was later debunked. Okay, the next one. Men can do Kegels too. Oh, true. It is true. Mm -hmm. It is true. When done regularly, Kegels can strengthen the pelvic floor, supporting the bladder, and can have positive effects on sexual function. Absolutely. And Kegeling is a natural way of also uh, bouncing back from having a mild form of erectile dysfunction. Oh, oh, wonderful. Okay, so loss of semen results in worsening of eyesight. False. <laughs> That's false. Okay. I just thought that didn't even make any sense. Okay, false. But in 1758, Swiss physician Samuel Tessit believed this to be true. It's false. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was such an informative episode, John. I know that the Secret Squad learned so much about your world. Can you tell the listeners how to find out more about you and Lasara Medical Group? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, so Lasara is L-A-S-A-R-A.com. So you can even just Google it. Uh, there's really nothing else out there called Lasara except for our practice. So okay. it should be easy okay. to find, hopefully. Uh, we have a variety of videos on YouTube. You can search us on information about ED, even testimonials. So even if you're not in California mm -hmm. uh, and you're thinking about your husband, your boyfriend, there's a lot of other resources out there across the country that are uh, more advanced urologists and medicine that's getting into this type of treatment and other regenerative medicine. So a simple Google search, you'll find all sorts of information. In terms of Instagram, social media, I'm, uh, although I'm a millennial, I, I'm, I'm not on Instagram. I'm oh. not, I'm not on any social media. So, uh, if you do want to contact me though, my information is on the Lasara website, and I'd be happy to talk to anybody, frankly. Um, I love what I do, and, and I always like having a conversation with any man or woman that's trying to better themselves in this fashion. Wonderful. Secret Squad, head on over to Instagram and follow this podcast by searching I've Got a Secret Podcast. And visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for more extras, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.